Jazz. Schools. Also, going to take it on the quarterback draw. He's to the 30, the 25, makes the move to the 20, 15, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. Number four of my best non sports sports wife carrying. It's the full court press with Eric Franson, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson, my friend Jason Walker, hanging out with me today. How are you, Jason? I'm doing pretty good, doing good. Got a good night's sleep last night, so that always helps. <laughs> that's uh, that's always important, yes. Uh, so, uh, who will be having a better night's sleep tonight, the Boston Celtics or the Golden State Warriors? We can debate that a little bit later on. Uh, if you want to give a, a prediction on Game 3 tonight, we'd love to get that on our Full Court Press text line, 435 339 0321. Uh, big show today. We had an opportunity, Jason and I, to catch up with Blake Anderson earlier today. So we'll have, uh, unfortunately, wasn't we weren't able to get him live on the show with us. So we hope we did a good job of asking the questions that you would want asked. Um, we uh, I did confirm that Quazel White is still on the team, by the way. Yeah, that, that was something that the thing is that when it was said, it was like, that kind of sounds true in my mind. I thought I may have seen the same thing, but I guess wherever that guy got his news from and wherever I may or may not have read that was wrong. No, according to the Utah State yeah. people, he's still here. Which, that happens. Sometimes you read yeah. things that are wrong. It happens. <laughs> it happens. We may have been guilty of spreading misinformation inadvertently a time or two, uh, but not intentional, of course. But uh, So we'll, we'll have that interview for you coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, we covered a wide variety of topics from his thoughts on doing away with divisions in the mountain west uh nil recruiting just just a lot of off-season stuff and he was very open about it and and so it's it a great interview and obviously you'll you'll hear it pretty soon so. yes and I, I didn't mean to end it on a bit of a downer but it needed to be asked um about his well-being just how he's doing uh, and so kind of an emotional conclusion to the interview. So stay tuned for that. Uh, it was really, really fascinating to hear from Blake Anderson. Uh, Utah State's in good hands with him as their head coach. So that's coming up uh, in just a little bit. But before we do that, um, you, uh, Jason, were – this was kind of some of the things that we discussed with Coach Anderson, but looking at the, the standard of success and how hard that can be to repeat – for Utah State, if that's a fair enough way to put that. Yeah, it, it is kind of that where I think I mentioned it in talking about, uh, you know, winning last time I was on, where the hardest thing in terms of winning a championship or whatnot is doing it again. And I think Anderson basically said something along the same same lines. And when I was looking back at Utah State's history, this is where I kind of got curious about this, where I was looking at some of these kind of banner seasons, these really good seasons. You remember 2012 was a really great season. 2018, really great season. You could even kind of throw in uh, 2014, I believe it was, where they went 10 and 10 and four or something like that. Uh, they won, is those those were the years where they've won 10 games. But and that led me down a path. I won't detail the entire thing because that would take entirely too long. <laughs> but it basically led me to the conclusion that I I feel like Utah State is in serious danger of potentially having a letdown season. 
where they could have a seven and six year or a six and seven year. Uh, like I said, it is really hard to repeat, and there are factors that I think play into, you know, Utah State just not doing nearly as well. And it all hinges, in my opinion, on one thing. It's not talent. It's not coaching. It's not any of those things. It's how motivated is Utah State going to be this season to repeat? Are they going to have the same drive that they did last year? Because one thing, when I look through a bunch of advanced stats, and we talked about some of this last season because things like the SP Plus ranking just absolutely hated Utah State last year. <laughs> yes. And they weren't alone because PFF, like they have them ranked 85th. They were actually more pessimistic on Utah State than SP Plus was. Because you look at the end of rating for SP Plus, was Utah State was like 80th. And PFF had them 85th. So, like, they consider them a bottom third of college football team. And yet Utah State was 11-3. and three. And so that's combining advanced metrics and also just, you know, PFF uses kind of a film study, you know, style to, to rate their things. It's a bit subjective that way, but they're analyzing the film. So how does a team that's supposedly not very talented, not very dominant, go 11-3? and three? Well, we all saw it on the field. Those of us who are actually watching Utah State, we watched them perform in the clutch. We watched them perform when it mattered. This team was 4-0 in games uh, decided by eight or fewer points, one possession games. In the last 10 years before this past season, they were like 17-24 and 24 in those games. So like a 40 win percent. So obviously this team has not historically been good in close games or in big games, so obviously, you know, when they go against San Diego State, that wasn't a close game, but it was a big game, and they performed yeah. above their above their station. So these guys, every week, were going out there and were proving people wrong. Everyone kept telling them, "You're not good. You're not good. You're not good." And that's bulletin, you know, bulletin material every single week. Staple it to the locker room wall. Use it to motivate yourself. All right. Do they have that this season? And that's the key, because honestly. You know, if you go by these advanced metrics, they say Utah State's not a super talented team. And maybe they aren't. That's not necessarily a bad thing because last year they, they won. All that matters is that when, they, when the clock hit zero, Utah State had more points on their side of the scoreboard. That's all that matters. doesn't matter how subjectively talented you are. Right, and I think it was uh, – and I went through this – it was last week or the week before that. Um, the uh, ESPN – had their SP plus following the spring um, with uh, looking at transfers after spring practices and what does a roster look like, returning talent, returning production. And for this year, for this upcoming year, even though they won 11 games last year, they're still not giving Utah State much credit. Yeah, they're in like the, the low, their high 80s. Like they're, yeah, they're about some, like some where they were a year ago. Yeah, somewhere around 90, I think, give or take. Yeah, I remember seeing that. So Utah State's probably about as talented as they were last season. They lost a lot of stuff, but I believe, and I think, you, Eric, you also believe this, that they've pretty much suitably replaced that talent. You know, wide receiver in the front seven and a lot of different places. Maybe there's a couple of holes, but generally speaking, this team's about as talented as they were last season. Well, if these metrics are right, if you and if you're also taking you know, my theory, if Utah State does not you know, have that same motivation – they're in for a rough year. So they need to find some motivation other than the underdog mentality to continue to push themselves. And I guess that's just greatness, I guess. Because, you know, Tom Brady, he's still finding motivation in 
I don't know, year 37 or wherever he's at. <laughs> um, so he's able yes. to push himself. He tries to pretend he's the underdog sometimes, and I guess if it works, it works. But it's all about getting that motivation. You got to get it from somewhere. Pretty much doesn't matter where, but as long as you get it, then it works. So Utah right. State can't uh, hang on to the underdog mentality the way they did last year. They have to find something new. And the uh, maybe it's in how the uh, these preseason polls that start to come out within the next month or so. You, you see stuff like the SP Plus rankings that ESPN put out there. Uh, there was another one. Uh, was it the FPI that didn't really rank Utah State very high? So smart coaches should be looking at that and saying, "Look, guys, they still don't respect you. Uh, we still have something to prove." But now that being said, it's also it historically has been tough for Utah State to have back-to-back really big years like they had last year. Probably the closest that we've seen was the end of Gary Anderson 1.0 and the first two seasons of of uh, Matt Wells. Because in Gary's final year, well, his first go-around, team won 11 games. Matt Wells in his first stint wins 9 in 2013, followed by 10 in 2014. And that that three-year period, I mean, something like that, that success has never happened in USU's history to have that level of success in three sequential years. Yeah, basically the only other time that compares is the Merlin Olsen years, where they were winning eight and nine games uh, in that stretch. And I think at one point they were ranked 10th in the AP poll, which is basically the best, could be the best team they've ever had. But again, that was... 70 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, how many teams got ranked and how many participated? It was very different, but still very, very solid team in those, uh, in that stretch in the, in the mid sixties. But Utah state, as you mentioned, they've had a couple of years where they've had double digit wins. So how tough will it be for them to repeat that this year after coming off of a 11 win season in 2021? And we've seen it's the, they're, Several instances where they follow up a good year like that with a trip to a bowl game, but getting back to double-digit wins is really tough. Yeah, it is tough. And honestly, I feel like 2018 might be fairly comparable uh, to this season um, or maybe the kind of the offseason between 2018 and 2019. Uh, you look at 2018, they lost a lot of receiving talent. Uh, they lost uh, their lead running back. That's kind of a difference, this one, because we're keeping our lead running back, but they lost a lot of their receivers. They actually brought in talented guys for 2019. They brought in uh, COC Mariner. They brought in Caleb Rep. just like this year they've brought in Brian Cobbs and some other guys. So 2019 was on paper able to replace a lot of their guys, and they actually brought a lot of their defensive guys back. But for whatever reason, they just didn't repeat the kind of success they had. On paper, they in the preseason, it felt like they were just as good as 2018. Just like on paper, I feel like this year's team is just as good as last year's team. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and in the players' heads that's going to determine you know, how this season ultimately goes. Yeah, and I, one of the other big differences is in that scenario, there was a head coaching change. There were coordinator changes. Um, so, But when you look at the Matt Wells year, when he got to double-digit wins the first time in 2014 – that was followed up with a six-win season in 2015. So um, I here for Utah State this year, you've got a returning head coach, 
returning offensive coordinator, returning defensive coordinator, returning starting quarterback. Most of your offensive line is back. Returning running back. Uh, yeah, there's some questions on defense, maybe some other key positions where some unproven talent needs to step up, but we believe they can. But can they reach that double-digit win threshold? Yeah, it's really going to show what these guys are made of because you know you can prove it once, but you've got to be able to do it again and again. That's the difference between good and great is can you do it again? You know, People can have one-off seasons. You can go list off. Tons of players who've had one great individual season, but it's the truly great ones who are able to you know, show the maturity to do it again. And there's a lot of guys on this team. You mentioned all the guys that have returned, they're going to be tested by that. They're going to walk on campus, and, and they got to avoid thinking that they're the bee's knees. Otherwise, <laughs> it's, it, it's not going to end well yeah, for them. That's really dangerous. On our full-court press text line, 9315 chimes in. I think times are changing with USU football, and we will have more in a row high win seasons. And that is true because if you look at all of Utah State's 10 win seasons, they've all come in the last 10 years. So four out of 10 seasons they've won 10 times, which was, you know, they'd never done that before 2012. So just looking at the numbers, yeah, it has kind of changed. They've started having these really great seasons, at least somewhat consistently. So if they're able to, you know, there's, there's a, a next step. You start having them, now you start, you know, lining them up one on top of the other. That is the next step. So, you know, times could be changing. We really are kind of in a, a, a golden era of Utah State football. When you step back, maybe you look at a decade of time. Yes, there have been some down years or some struggling years here and there during that span. But broadly speaking, this has been a really special era of Utah State football where they routinely go to bowl games, compete for conference championships, and double-digit wins. Yeah, and it's great because it's not been dependent on just having the one coach who was just really good and brought this golden era. You look at the 10-win seasons, you've had three different coaches have one, if I'm doing my uh, math right. Yeah. Gary Anderson, Matt Wells, and Blake Anderson. All three of those have had 10-win seasons. So you're not just depending on the one guy to bring you all of the success in the sport. You're doing it with different coaches, different, you know, situations with the players. Yeah, different personnel, different coaching staff. It's a good point. Uh, 6543, how we do against Alabama will speak volumes about what kind of season we have. That may or may not be true. Potentially. It, it could, but I, mean, I don't know that it necessarily is a barometer. I mean, it's possible because I was looking up to see if – I was trying to remember when Utah State played LSU, and that was actually in 2019 where they got blown out. Uh, Gary 20... didn't want to be there. Yeah. He didn't – it was evident, so clear. He didn't want to go to that game, didn't want to play that game, and it, it, it filtered down to the players. Yeah. And they just didn't have the same level of motivation to compete. Yeah, and, and so I would think that in general, if you perform well against a good team – then, you know, it's a good sign. Um, I just don't know. Alabama's usually just that good when you've got a team that'll have like 20 NFL players on it. You know, what's the difference between being beaten 35-7 versus 56-7? Like, what's the real difference there? So I, I kind of agree in that sense, but I wouldn't consider it the worst thing in the world if Utah State walks out of that game having lost by 35 points. 
Right, but this is also a team that has the taste of beating multiple Power Five teams. Uh, they've done it. They accomplished something that no one had done in decades. Did it twice, and they have and should have the confidence that they can go in there and at least compete. Yeah, I meant to look up how many times Utah State's beaten two Power Five opponents in the same season. Somebody's probably noted that somewhere, and I forgot it. Um, I'd it be would curious. have to be in the 60s. Yeah, if anybody in the text chat knows, I would be curious. I, like I said, I meant to look it up, and if one of you knows, I, I would love to know because I don't think it's happened in a while, if at all. Uh, all right, we're going to take a timeout here in the Full Court Press. Coming up next, a conversation with Utah State head football coach Blake Anderson. You don't want to miss this. We cover a lot of different topics and uh, get personal at the end in a good way. Um, but uh, from recruiting to NIL to divisions in the Mountain West to the BYU football rivalry, we covered a lot of topics, a lot of ground. That's coming up next on the Full Court Press. But first, just want to remind you that uh, you know, the folks at Valvoline Instant Oil Change, they do a great job of getting you back out on the road quickly. And the temperature is rising. It's supposed to be really hot this weekend. That warm, hot weather can be tough on your vehicle. So get it in to Valvoline uh, Instant Oil Change. We've got that Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil for your vehicle. And they'll get you back out on the road fast. at 695 North Main in Logan. Here's Chad, the lawn doctor, with a tip for your lawn. Just a couple tips for this summer for a healthier lawn. Raise your lawnmower blade a notch or two. Longer grass helps conserve water and fight against stress. Double check your sprinkler coverage and watering times. Then call the lawn doctor to put down a grub preventative and to try our popular new two-service soil enrichment program. Fertilizer, weed, and pest control. Call the lawn doctor at 753-LAWN or go to lawndoctorcashvalley.com. You just finished your eye exam. What next? Well, of course, it's time to pick your frames and glasses. Did you know you have a choice where you get those from? May we suggest Crystal Vision in Logan. Nobody has the style and fashion to choose from like Crystal Vision. Their opticians are trained to fit your glasses to you, not the masses. Take your current prescription in and let Crystal Vision fit your glasses to you. Crystal Vision on 14th North or online at crystalvision.com. Happy Father's Day for Birch Creek Golf Course. For Dad this Father's Day, choose Birch Creek. Our 10 nine-hole punch passes are on sale, or get Dad a gift certificate that can be used for golf or golf lessons from our PGA teaching staff. Visit our virtual pro shop at birchcreekgolf.com for Dad this Father's Day and have your purchase mailed to you or Dad. So for Dad this Father's Day, I invite you to choose Birch Creek Golf Course in Smithfield. You lead a busy life. When do you have time to get your vehicle serviced? Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Logan can help. They're now open on Sundays to better serve you. If life is too hectic during the weekdays and Saturday is crazy like normal, go see them on Sunday. Get your oil changed and they'll also check other fluids and recharge your AC. Stay in your car while their trained pros service your vehicle. Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Open seven days a week across from Angie's. You've been putting up with a dirty, dusty wood stove for years. Why haven't you changed it? Go to Advanced Fireplace and Stove in Logan. Look through their showroom for ideas on quadrifier pellet and wood stoves and heat and glow gas fireplaces. They have several demos in place so you can see firsthand how your project will look. And you can trust the pros at Advanced Fireplace and Stove. They'll do the job right. Advanced Fireplace and Stove. 
752-7272. Online at advancedfireplaceandstove.com. Cash Valley Bank's newest branch is now open in Preston. I'm Lance Zollinger, and I'm excited to announce Cash Valley Bank is now open inside Stokes Marketplace. If you're an existing customer, you'll love the convenience. If you're not a customer, we'd love to have you open a new account with us, or even talk with us about a loan for your farmer business. Cash Valley Bank, a community bank where decisions are still made locally, now open in Preston. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. We're talking to Blake Anderson, head coach of the Utah State football team, and we're in the offseason for the Aggies. Coach, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Appreciate y'all having me. Always, always, always a pleasure. So this offseason, how is it different than the last year where you were new, still trying to figure out your squad and your coaches, but you've had all that now experience behind you, a full season. How is this year shaping out to be any different than what you went through last year? You know, last year – Everything was first time through uh, for the players and a lot of the staff. We had we had a handful of staff that came with me from Arkansas State, but but a lot of them are new and just getting used to what I wanted and and how it was supposed to look. And the schedule was different and a lot of new bodies. Um, so this you know offense and defense, brand new schemes, new terminology. This year we're able to kind of take the next step and and really be a little bit more detailed and. Guys came back in knowing what we're doing. There's a comfort level in that. Same staff for the most part. We only lost one staff member on the field there uh, going into spring for a while, one off the field, but kept all my coordinators in place. So there's a lot of comfort in the fact that we can now build on what we've, the foundation we kind of put together. Standards extremely high. Had a, had a season that um, probably nobody expected. I'm not going to ask you guys if you want to quote on that, but nobody really anticipated the season going the way it did. So. Uh, a lot of energy coming back in the spring. Good foundation for what we want to do. And uh, I think that's where you, you're able to start seeing the improvements. And hopefully we will. Hopefully that will translate to the field. So how does it kind of change this offseason where last year there was kind of a lot of built-in motivation. You guys really caught hold of the fact that you were rebounding from that, you know, that poor season in 2020. How does the motivation process change this season where you know you got to wake up and get, get out of bed and – Something's got to motivate you, whereas last year it was rebounding. What's it like this year, you know, trying to motivate yourself? Yeah, you go from rebounding to repeating, uh, and it's always tougher to win it the second time than it is the first. We're not going to surprise anybody. Everybody will see us coming last year. I think probably a, a bunch of our opponents overlooked us to some degree and really didn't expect a lot of us, and we surprised everybody. This year they'll see us coming clearly. There'll be a big target on us. So the it just changes. You go from – trying to earn respect to maintain a standard that was set by the guys before you. Every team is different, and there's no uh, – you don't get any points for last year. You just get uh, really high expectations. So this group's got to be mature enough to work uh, in, in a different environment. Last year, quiet, under the radar, zero expectations. This year, out in the open, tons of expectations. Everybody sees you coming. And that in itself is a huge, huge challenge. 
So we're, we're trying to um, stay focused on the things that we can control, which honestly are the exact same things we could control last year, just our daily work ethic, our, our approach to trying to get better, trying to take the next step in, in each phase of the schemes that we run and the techniques that we teach. And uh, that's, um, you know, that's really where all our focus is at. Last year's team had, you relied on a lot of transfers to come in and implement the style, the system that you wanted. This year, uh, you still have some transfers, but it's not quite as heavy, but you may not be done with the recruiting process. Um, the transfer portal has become a whole different thing than it was just a few years ago. Uh, at, at the end of spring practice, when that was done, um, it seemed like there were a few other players that announced that they were going to be entering the portal uh, before that deadline. So you still have a few holes to fill. Is that fair to say? Are there still players that you may be adding to your roster? Or are you pretty much set with what you're going to do for this upcoming year? It, it is still ongoing. The, the portal um, and the NCAA rules that was changed, we had a, a rule that, that changed on the 18th of May that created some opportunities to, to add a few guys that in the past we would not be able to add. We did have a handful of guys that were looking to play more. Uh, we we helped a handful of guys drop down to lower levels and, and get on rosters where they can get on the field. And it's always part of our challenge coming out of spring ball is, you know, this is your two deep, this is your rotational players. There's a handful of guys that are just running out of eligibility and not seeing the field. And we always want to be real open with them give them the opportunity to stay, but also the opportunity to look for op uh, for opportunities somewhere else. And we're able to place every one of those guys on other rosters so they'll get to finish their career on the field. And it does create a few spots that we are still currently recruiting uh, due to the portal. Most of the spots will be veteran players if we fill them at all. And we may not fill them. We may wait and use them in December. Um, the new 85 rule gives you the, the ability to be at 85 at any time regardless of how the initials and, and hard cap numbers and all that have played out in the past, you, you can get to 85. But um, we're not going to take a guy just to take one. If we don't feel like they can help our roster immediately, then we'll save those spots till December, recruit those spots. Uh, and our recruiting class is going to be blended between portal players and high school players and maybe even a handful of JC players. So it's, it's – um, we're in right in the middle of that right right at this point. We got we got guys on campus today, as a matter of fact. So kind of over the course of your coaching career, how much has recruiting changed because of the transfer portal? Because you know, it used to be you bring in guys at high school, and especially at small programs here, you'd bring them in, redshirt them, and then they'd wait. Now it just seems like you're bringing in guys who are almost going to start right away. Like how much has that changed over the course of your uh, your coaching career? Well, the portal has changed dramatically, and, and the landscape of college football has changed dramatically. And then you throw NIL into the mix, which obviously is a huge conversation at this point. Um, it has – it has changed how you manage your roster, how you blend your recruiting class. Uh, we still want some young developmental players that we know will eventually get on the field in two to three years, but the opportunity to plug and play a, a guy in immediately that can, can step in as a veteran. You take a guy like Justin Rice, Brandon Bowling, Byron Vaughn a year ago, an MJ Tafisi who came out of the spring as our starting linebacker. Justin Rice graduates. You bring in MJ Tafisi, 
who comes from the University of Washington. He's ready to step out and play at the level we need him to, whereas we've got a couple really young guys on roster that we love and think in a year or two will be at that same caliber, but they just weren't ready today. And so that's that's part of the process of managing your roster now. Where do we need to plug in a high school player to develop? Where do we need a veteran player to compete right now? And is it a junior college player? Is it a transfer player either moving up from 1AA or down from a Power 5? It is put a lot of factors in play that five years ago, ten years ago, were not part of the equation. And we're all having to also maintain our roster. And if you've got a great player – there are chances that there are people on the outside that are recruiting them to leave. If a guy's not getting to play quite enough, there's a chance he's going to be frustrated and want to leave. It is create a lot of dynamics that we just haven't had to deal with in the past. We're real fortunate we did not lose a lot of players. We lost, I think, probably two players off our roster that we felt like were in the too deep. Everybody else that, that chose to put their name in the portal were guys that were down the list that really needed to probably move on to play and get on the field, and we helped them. But um, we didn't have a mass exodus, which is great, which I think speaks a lot to our culture and our ability to win. But um, we did graduate some key players too, and we're not in a position to just take what was on the roster to fill those those shoes. I mean, how do you replace 30 touchdown catches? And so we have used both high school and the, the transfer portal to fill those spots. And you, you guys saw the guys this spring. Terrell Vaughns, uh, Brian Cobbs had a great spring. Tafisi, uh, Daniel uh, Grishak. The guys that we've added, and there's several other names as well that will show up in the fall, the transfer players that we added showed up immediately and all factoring are all factoring in the two deep. A lot of them are factoring as starters, and most of which are replacing guys that had great seasons last year. And that is the that's the thing the portal is allowing us to do that we just didn't have the opportunity to do years ago. Getting back to you, you mentioned the the recruiting limit has temporarily been suspended for at least a couple of years. When you're looking at your roster and deciding like are are players making those advancements, does that change your philosophy now on how you work to develop players and kind of help them move somewhere else? or uh, try to find other ways to, to fill your roster? And do you feel like that might change year to year how many kids you may bring in, whether it be transfer or high school kids or JC? How does that affect kind of your, on, your, your philosophy going forward? You know, you know we, we've always kind of had that conversation. The only thing the rule did was it, it puts you in a position where this is complicated, but in the past you could only sign 25 guys a year. And if you had 25 guys graduate, you sign 25 and you replace them. But that's rarely the case. Going into the next season, we only got 13 seniors. So if we're at 85 and we only lose 13, we can only replace 13 spots. What this rule did was let you throw out the 25 initials, the 25 hard caps. That rule doesn't apply anymore. And wherever you're at, if you're at 70, if you're at 50 or if you're at 80, you can get to 85 right now. Uh, and when I took the job at Arkansas State, I was the fifth head coach in five years. We had 55 scholarship players on the roster. I could have signed 30 guys right then and there and gotten back to 85. But because this rule wasn't in place, 
I could only sign a certain amount of initials every year. And due to attrition and the roster that we had, it took me seven years to get to 81. Right now, you have the ability to get to 85 immediately. Now, for us, we have a pretty solid roster anyway, so it didn't change dramatically what we could do. It did create a few spots that we have the ability to fill right now. And offense and defensive line are always big concerns. And a corner and potentially, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a special team type player that maybe we wouldn't have been able to have taken in the past. But it didn't dramatically change. Now, you take a team that's maybe had some transition and lost. You look at an Auburn who lost 20-something guys to the portal. Uh, you know, my previous school, Arkansas State, that had 25 or 26 kids leaving the portal. Those schools are probably – you know, taking a ton of guys over the course of the summer. For us, it's really only a couple spots. The still the same conversation is, do we need a high school player, a young guy that we can develop, or do we have to plug and play a veteran player in that particular position to be competitive this fall? And that's the decision with every spot, every year, and really that's always been that conversation. Just in the past, you couldn't go to the portal to get that guy. You had to go to a junior college maybe player. Now it allows you to take a veteran player that's played at this level or maybe played at the Power 5 level or, or the 1AA level and maybe outplayed that. It, it just added a different dimension to it that we didn't have, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So a really big offseason topic this year has been NIL. I mean, we've seen a lot of the big schools, you know, they've already had one coaching fight almost. Yeah, yeah I'm going to stay out of that one. <laughs> yeah, I want to ask you to get in that. But, um, like, so we've seen kind of the millions of dollars seem to be thrown around there. What's it like for, you know, a bit of a smaller school here, you don't have the $100 million budgets. What's the approach to NIL like for you guys when you know, talking with your players and even potential recruits? Well, I'm not supposed to talk to my players about NIL at all. I mean, we're not supposed to have anything to do with it, which is one of the things that's crazy because there's a lot of conversation being had about it by a lot of people that aren't supposed to be talking about NIL. It's supposed to be directly between the players and the open market. And that's the, the intent of the entire thing. Um, I, I've been surprised there's not been a lot of questions about NIL in the recruiting process here yet. Uh, there's been just a couple, couple, you know, Coach, do you have guys on the roster that are, are benefiting from NIL? And, and that's something I can honestly answer. Yeah, we do have a handful of guys that, that do benefit through NIL. It's not the entire roster. And, and it has not been part of the recruiting process in terms of guys making decisions. Now, clearly that is happening across the country. And obviously at the Power Five, or maybe not even the Power Five, maybe the, at the elite the elite power five level, it is a huge conversation right now. There is some trickle down. And I think one of the things that's great about being here in the Valley is there's not another college team in the Valley. There's not an NFL team in the Valley. So it does create some opportunity for guys on our team to be visible and to be recognizable. And then that creates some, some opportunity. Um, you know, we're going to stay out of it. We're going to let the system work the way it's supposed to. Uh, we, uh, you know we've got a we got a passionate fan base, and I think everybody across the country realizes this is a this is a place you at least have to be somewhat competitive to stay relevant. And, and I think um, you know we've heard enough from people in the in the, in the community and in the valley that you know we want to we want to help, we want to be a part of it, we want to uh, help the program, and not just football, really all our athletic programs. So um, I, I think in that sense, we're right where we need to be. We're we're 
it's not the conversation in recruiting. Kids are coming here because they want to win. They want to be in the right culture, and they love the Valley and what the, the fan base brings to the table. Uh, the NIL stuff is what comes with playing well and producing and, and doing what you're supposed to do. And that's to me, that's the way we want it to be. Switching away from recruiting yep. for a minute, uh, the Mountain West announced just recently that next season they will do away with divisions. And there'll be some scheduling matrix that they'll put together that hasn't been released just yet. But your reaction to that, did you like being able to play with a, you know, a certain number of teams geographically close to you? Or do you prefer to have it kind of open and have a variety of different teams that you'll face? I, I see the benefit of not having divisions in the sense that you, you get your two best teams in the championship game. And if we have the opportunity to get into the playoff, if it expands and and you're fighting for a playoff spot, you want the two best opportunities so that regardless of who wins or loses, we can plug into that spot. So in that sense, I get it. Uh, I do like regional rivalries, and I like the idea uh, of divisions in the sense of us playing the same teams every year, the home and aways of that. And that does get a little bit watered down when you when you get rid of divisions. So that comes with good, but you lose – obviously you lose that aspect of it. Um, at the end of the day, we're hoping that the playoff does expand, and we want to make sure that the Mountain West has a representative in it, and having the two best teams in that game gives us the best opportunity to do that, and so ultimately that to me is what wins out. So you believe if the playoff expands that you know, the Mountain West will have a really good chance at placing somebody in the playoff at least somewhat consistently? We had the best group of five league in the country this year. We've had that several times, and, and it's – we uh, – we played head to head against Power Five leagues and, and held our own. Obviously, uh, had a you know winning record against the Pac-12. I, I feel like it's going to be the best Group of Five league moving forward. And if that thing expands, that yes, our champion should be there and would deserve to be there. We're going to play good games out of league early in the year to show our ability to be competitive. We've shown that in bowl games as well. So you know, I think we need to position ourselves to be as strong as we possibly can. And the league's never been stronger than it is right now. So we have to prepare for the CFP to expand and be positioned to own a spot in that thing every year and show that we can be as competitive as anybody and as competitive or more competitive as some Power 5 leagues. Another question on scheduling. It was also announced recently that the BYU series is going to be suspended. They're going to try to find a way to get it back. But you only had one game, one experience with that. Uh, certainly they're going to be on the schedule this year, but your feelings about having that those future games canceled? I, I hate it. Obviously, I hate it. I think rivalry games and proximity rivalries and in-state rivalries are, are rare, and it's one of the best things about college football uh, to, to be a part of that last year and feel what the energy in the stadium felt like. I don't want to lose that. Now, it's a tough game, and we're I mean, going to the Big 12. There, there's a lot of advantages that come with them being in that league that make it even harder for us to recruit against them on a daily basis, but we don't want to lose that game. Uh, I knew it was a problem because of the way they schedule in that league, and they only have three non-conference games. I would prefer them to have dropped a different game, but it is what it is. I hope it gets – it comes back around at some point. We're going to try to make the most of it this year. We play them on a Thursday night game for the whole country to see on ESPN. So hopefully we can find a way to get that done. Um, but I, that's what I love about college ball. I love that in-state rivalry that, you know, right across the border rivalry. That's something you don't see in other, in other sports. And, and, and it's something I hate for us to lose. And then last question for me. 
how are you doing after you've had a heck of a couple of years and uh certainly what didn't get any easier this winter just how are you doing and getting through everything right now um truthfully i'm i'm getting up one day at a time and doing the best i can Uh, you know you nobody wants to get the phone call that we got about casing it's been basically three months since we lost him and um you know it's a struggle to be truthful just leaning on great people leaning on my faith in Christ and and trying to be the best I can be every day. The kids have been amazing. The staff has been amazing. Uh, I am looking forward to just getting away a little bit this summer and just kind of trying to reset myself a little bit and recharge my battery before jumping into the season. But um, we've had overwhelming support and, and prayers and, and care, and it has been uplifting. But to be completely honest, it is a struggle to you know get up every day and take the next step and, and probably will be for a while. Uh, but I appreciate you asking and I appreciate all, all the people that have, that have reached out and, and cared for us and, and helping us kind of carry the load of what we're, what we're dealing with right now. Didn't mean to end the interview on a, it's, it's on, a, okay. on a low note, but I, you know, I know there are a lot of people who do yeah. care about you and your family and what you've gone through and, and certainly want to make sure that uh, people know how you're doing yeah. and, and know what they can do to help. Walking with a little bit of a limp right now would be, you know, but we're but we're walking, and um, nobody wants to um, to deal with what we're dealing with. But this is the path that God's got us on. We're going to use it to glorify Him, and God's going to going to use it in big ways, and and hopefully uh, help other families, help other people uh, that end up dealing with the same thing. Uh, you know, hopefully our strength and. And his strength shines through, and um, maybe it it um, helps somebody else not have to deal with it. Maybe it, it opens some eyes to um, to what we went through, and and, and maybe it, it 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 stops somebody from dealing with the same situation. So I just feel like I'm really blessed to be in the situation I'm in as a head coach with the platform that I have, uh, and and that comes at a cost. And and in this particular case, it's trying to. Um, trying to be an example to others when when I can and that's what we're trying to do and that's not always easy but hey I appreciate you asking a question because it does give me an opportunity just to point things back towards Christ again coach thanks for your time best of luck and uh, we'll be checking in with you here before too long yeah it won't be long at all it'll be it'll be ball- We all know moms rule the world, but dads are important too. Do something special for dad this Father's Day. Pick him out a watch to fit his personality from Jarek's. We feature watches by Citizen, Bolova, unique wood watches by Tree Hut, and our own one-of-a-kind custom brand Jarek's Fine Jewelry timepieces. Or maybe your dad would like a tie bar, chain, bracelet, or how about a special ring with your name engraved on the inside? Let dad know how special he is. Jarek's Fine Jewelry. Make it special. Make it Jarek's. Hi, this is Bob Larson with LSS Insurance. Medicare has lots of rules and regulations. If you're turning 65, preparing to retire, or have delayed Medicare, we can help. We can help you understand all the fine print and give you peace of mind. Let us help each step of the way to ensure you have the coverage you need. For more information, call 752-9493 or go to lssins.com. We are here to help. We have decades of experience and there is no cost to work with us. Call 752-9493. 
Hi, this is James Stevens with White Pine Funeral Services. At White Pine, we value compassion, integrity, and service. We are committed to serving you and treating your family as our family. We will be here when you need us most to listen, to help, and to provide exactly what your circumstances require. At White Pine, we promise to dedicate our time and attention to you and your family. We invite you to come by and meet us. We're confident you'll feel a difference. Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent with Alpine Home Medical. I'd like to invite you to learn more about us. Since 1997, we've been Utah's premier one-stop shop for home medical equipment. What sets us apart at Alpine Home Medical is the superior level of customer service. We provide home oxygen, CPAPs, wheelchairs, scooters, breast pumps, and so much more. Come on down and get to know us. Visit alpinehomemedical.com. West Point Dairy Products at Hiram is hiring. West Point Dairy Products has been manufacturing high-quality butter for over 25 years in Cache Valley. They're currently expanding and want you on their growing team. West Point Dairy Products offers competitive wages for entry-level positions starting at $18 per hour, full benefit packages, double time on Sundays, a $2,000 sign-on bonus, and tremendous opportunities for growth. For immediate consideration, call Express Employment Professionals at 435-213-9595. This is Dave Simmons for Les Olson Company. Your team's in the locker room ready to get out there and play to win. But you see a player you don't recognize. They're wearing your jersey and even know your coach's name. But who are they? Would you let this stranger look at your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing attacks work. In 2020, the number of phishing attacks against businesses doubled compared to the previous year. Don't take risks. Take action with the Les Olson Security Suite. Get your free network assessment at lesolson.com. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Hey, at Mountain West Motor, every truck and SUV is unique and has been customized so you'll be ready for your next adventure. It's adventure time, right, this time of the year, so make sure you're equipped with all the right gear in the right kind of vehicle. You can find it at Mountain West Motor, 615 North Main in Logan, or check them out online, mwmotor.com. Uh, that was a fun and fascinating interview with Blake Anderson. Yeah, I learned, learned a lot of things. There are a lot of things I was curious about, you know, with transfers and NIL, because we've heard these things all over national radio for however long, so many you know points, so many talking heads, and to get a perspective from a smaller school like Utah State is really interesting because things are different for Utah State than they are for Alabama. Believe it or not, they, they are just a little <laughs> bit different. Marginally, yes, on the fringes. Uh, full Court Press text line uh, 9315 texted in, says, I'll tell you this, that if USU beats or loses to Bama within one touchdown, the national media will be shocked, but I will not. Okay? I love that. I love the confidence. I, I will be shocked. I do applaud the confidence. Um, I'm. It's nice to have people that have kind of confidence, and I hope the team has your confidence because it'll make that all the more likely. Yes. Uh, 5879, that Coach A interview you guys just put on moved me to tears. Love that coach. Lucky to have him. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a guy who's been through it, and he has a very – he's maintained a pretty positive outlook and a very – you know, he looks outward when things happen to him. He's trying to help other people, you know, and we were talking to him 
afterward, just as we were leaving, you know, he was focused on, you know, helping other people and hoping, you know, it doesn't, you know, these kind of things don't happen to them, but, you know, he's somebody who can understand, you know, he's. He, yeah, yeah, afterwards, I'm like apologizing. I'm sorry that we brought the the mood down and the, the just addressed a sensitive topic. But he was very gracious and appreciative because if it if it helps one family, one person avoid having to go through what he did, then it's worth it. Having yeah. to talk about it and deal with it in a public manner. Yeah, definitely. He's the person that you want as a friend and as a coach and just you know somebody you know. He he definitely comes across one of the nicest people you'll meet. You know, he'll give you the shirt off his back. And I, I don't say that about coaches very often or even athletes or whatnot because I'm often very pessimistic about what some of these people are like in real life. But, you know, Coach Anderson really comes across as a very genuine, very great person. Yep. On his desk, he had some recruiting materials. I think he had a, 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 like a playbook that was off in a certain area. And he had his Bible open Yep. And where he was currently reading and studying. So this is a man of faith, strong faith, and I think that's – been clearly evident that's something that's helping him through the tragedies that he's gone through in the last 36 48 months yeah it's not easy for anybody to go through yeah never easy for anybody and yeah that's you know and some people turn to faith that's something that i do personally i won't get too much into my personal life but yeah it's something that really helps him you know turning to the bible and i mean he mentioned christ in the interview it's something that he turns to and has really helped him through this whatever your thoughts on you know christianity are true uh, 9315, I truly believe that if any coach could beat Bama at the uh, – beat Bama, USU would <laughs> – oh, okay. Sorry, I, 9315, I always need a little bit of time to read your text to understand. <laughs> it, it's hard to read these live before reading through them once, then you just mess it up. I truly believe that if any coach could beat Bama at USU – the game is not at USU, but anybody at USU who could beat Bama – it would be Blake. He has the right stuff to do it. Yeah, I think last year really showed that this is – it's kind of like Gary Anderson in his first runaround where he really just lifted the program up. And Blake Anderson's kind of doing that. He's lifting this program up through his coaching, through his, you know, whatever his motivational tactics are, all those things that college coaches need to do, the, you know, the things that separate the college coaches because all of them are involved in X's and O's and all that kind of thing. But there's a lot of intangibles that coaches have to have to lift teams up. And so I agree that he's somebody who could pull that off given the right special circumstances. I, after c- talking to him, I'm just, I'm, I'm geeked up for next year. I can't yeah. wait for August when the players start showing up and start doing the practices and see what this, because uh, the, the full complement of the roster is not there yet. And so uh, I'm just, I'm excited. Yeah. Really and I, excited. I, I know I, I led with a somewhat pessimistic idea of, oh, the sky is falling and Utah State could have this horrible season, but I am also excited for this season because I do have high hopes for this season. I believe that they can have a repeat, but there is some caution that I'm having here. It's almost a warning. It's a, it's a prophecy. Just be, be warned this could happen. Cautionary tale. Yeah. There you go. All right, another quick timeout on the full court press. When we come back, game three, NBA Finals, Boston hosting Golden State. Who do you like in this game as the series now shifts to uh, the Celtics? We'll discuss that in debate. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. 
Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center have now moved from the Cache Valley Hospital to their new office location, 2245 North 400 East in North Logan, just south of the Cache Valley Hospital. Doctors Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette, along with the entire staff, welcome you to a brand new facility with more room and state-of-the-art equipment to help you and your family. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and their new office at 2245 North 400 East in North Logan. Go to CacheValleyENT.com for details. Most insurance products, including SelectMed, are accepted. This is Ryan, my mattress. I have a little bit of a bone to pick with online bed-in-a-box mattresses. If value is the combination of price and quality, these beds are not a good value. They cost about $1,000 and they last about three years. That's not a very good ratio. At my mattress, you can get a $799 Sealy Posture Pedic that will last you 10 plus years. The best value is at my mattress. Isn't it time to sleep exceptionally? It's happened to us all. Red punch, nail polish, coffee or paint. This is Dow with Northern Utah Chem Dry. What you don't realize is using your own methods can potentially lock in stains within the carpet. ChemDry's patented stain removal solutions have successfully removed stains all over Cass Valley. If we can't get it out, no one can. So next time you spill, call ChemDry of Northern Utah. ChemDry of Northern Utah. ChemDry of Northern Utah. 435-752-6100. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. And Napa Auto Parts has the items that you're looking for and the parts you need, use, and rely on every day. Like a lot of different types of uh, brands of oil, types of oil, even for those lawn mowers, filters as well. Go check them out. They've got five stores between Preston and Providence. That's Napa Auto Parts. Uh, so game three of the NBA Finals tonight in Boston Celtics currently favored by three and a half. Tips off seven o'clock on ABC. I'm excited for this game to see how Boston punches back. They were the aggressors in game one. Golden State realized refs aren't calling this real close, so we're going to push back. And uh, how does Boston kind of counter? It's been their habit through these playoffs outside of the sweep of the Brooklyn Nets to go basically on an every other game where they're really, really good. And they're on on target to be really good tonight. Yeah, I think somebody pointed out on Twitter that uh, Boston hasn't won back-to-back games or hasn't lost back-to-back games, excuse me, in like 70 days. And that may be at 71 or 72 by now because I, I can't remember when this was tweeted. But I think, you know, this series plays out a, a very interesting way to set up for game three because you have the Celtics stealing game one. And so they're obviously satisfied you know, every player on the Celtics, every fan would be satisfied with the 1-1 split at Golden State. But the Warriors, you know, they won game two. So while the Celtics are certainly satisfied with a 1-1 split, the momentum is theoretically with the Warriors, where they won game two pretty solidly. So they could come in and take that momentum into game three. And if they win game three, that's a huge turning point. Because game three, it's like game three and game five are probably the two biggest pivots early on in the series. Although technically game five is the last half of it. But those are the two pivot games where momentum in a series can completely shift. 
Because game one, in my opinion, there's nothing really you take from game one other than the result. There's no trends, nothing you can get from. Game two, you can get a little bit more, but game three is where things really start settling in. You really start seeing some trends, and obviously momentum can begin shifting one way or the other. Yeah, I totally agree. And that, how does Boston handle the third quarter uh, and the and its aftermath? That could be a real key tonight. So who do you like tonight, Boston or Golden State? Uh, I will lean towards Boston. I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll just pick Boston because I think they they should win this. And I've said this before. They have the talent to win. I think being at home will give them the advantages they need. I could see Golden State winning, but I'll I pick Boston. Uh, I too am going to go with Boston, and I th- I pick the Celtics to cover. Uh, so three and a half points. I think they win by more than three and a half. Yeah, but I think it'll be close. I, I never like picking the spreads in basketball. It's just so volatile. <laughs> but. Uh, who knows? I'll just pick Boston to win. Just I'll leave it at that. <laughs> just be safe. 7 o'clock on ABC. Don't forget, we'll have our podcast available with Blake Anderson's interview. <laughs>